you're listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hello, hello, Rockstar SLPs. This is episode 109 of the Real Talk SLP podcast, and we're going to be talking about five things to help you get stuff done for your caseload. Now, this episode is going to be teaching you some hacks and ways to be more efficient and productive with managing your caseload. And by no means do I want to make you feel like here, if you do all these things, you can do more, 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 um, because that is not the culture that I want to be creating. But I just remember when I worked full time, um, I either had a giant, crazy sized caseload where I had to figure out some systems and solutions so that I could at least feel like I was doing an adequate job of covering my caseload. Because we all know if you're in the schools, you're not just doing therapy. You're documenting Medicaid billing. You're taking in new speech referrals. You're going to IEP meetings. You have to implement, um, you know, all the accommodations. And and if you're covering, if you are a caseload manager for a large portion of your caseload, you are also running the show on that IEP, right? And, um, you know, you have to see kids. You have to plan therapy. You have to update progress notes. There's there's so many things that we have to do that even if we had a, an adequate caseload size, it could you could easily get overwhelmed and and start you start scrambling in the job, right? So there'd be many moments when I was working full time where I felt like, oh my gosh, why am I scrambling at the last minute for therapy for finishing this? this report for getting my progress notes done a week late. Like what is happening? And so I would take stock of what I was doing with my day and my week. Like what were the holes? Like why was I not organized? How was this happening? Right. Um, and then I also had to take stock of, well, um, I'm doing the job of three SLPs right now, or I'm doing the job of a caseload that could really be managed by two SLPs because I, it, there's, they've given me so many students and a portion of them have a lot of high communication needs. And so, yeah, I'm being stretched really, really thin. So I would have to look at like, what could I do to get things done? Because the other thing I noticed that when I had a big workload, um, I started to procrastinate and avoid doing the things that really were going to move the needle and keeping me efficient. Um, so I'll give you a quick example, and then I'm going to jump into the five things that you can do to help you get stuff done. But like if I had five IEPs to do in a week and I just was struggling with wanting to get those done because um, I there's too many steps that I had to do, I might start prepping therapy materials that I was going to use with students, but that really, I mean, yes, is that a job task? Is that something that I needed to do for my caseload? Sure. But the thing that really needed to get done so that I could leave work either on time or at a decent hour was I needed to write some IEPs, right? And so that's where I started to, I started to look at 
well, why am I procrastinating? Well, most of the time it was because I was overwhelmed or I was tired or I didn't know where to start next. So I'm just avoiding it. And so those were, these are the things that I started to look at and go, okay, I have some, I need to, I need to change this so that I can take advantage of the day um, and head home. And, and for all you SLPs who are moms, that, that probably was when I really started to look at my time and how I was using my time is when I had kids, because I knew that I didn't want to stay crazy hours of the day, like 10 hour days. I didn't want to do that because I needed to get home to my kids and I wanted to spend time with them. And so that's, that's when I started really looking at it and being serious about leaving at a certain time. So if you are, before I jump into all my five tips, if you are feeling like you're struggling with caseload management, and then on top of that, you're like, I don't know what to plan for therapy. I want to let you know about the theme therapy SLP membership. It's designed for preschool to fifth grade SLPs. We have um, also grade level options for preschool to first grade, second, third, fourth, and fifth. So if you only work with a certain age group, you can also you know, get into an option that's only for fourth and fifth graders. But we provide three themed units a month that you get to choose what you want to use with your students. And we provide Google Slides, book companions, story maps, speech sound word lists, lesson plan ideas, uh, editable newsletters, homework, Google Slides, all sorts of stuff so that we can take lesson planning off your plate so that you can still, no matter what's going on with your caseload management, you can still do effective and engaging therapy with your students. So I will put the link to that in the show notes, but you can also go to themetherapyslp.com forward slash membership to sign up today for a monthly or annual subscription. All right. So let's talk about what you can do. These, these five things that you can do to get stuff done for your caseload and really move the needle in managing your work tasks. So one thing that I have done and I find it to be the biggest game changer for me, is writing down what I am going to do for my entire day. And I will link in the show notes my free, um, it's just a Google Sheets um, or Google Doc. I can't remember if it's a Google, Google Sheets or a Google Doc. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up so I can look at it while I'm talking to you guys. Um, yes, it's a Google Sheet. So I have it by week. So you can do a weekly schedule. And then what I also do is I do a a weekly school schedule. So most of us out there have two schools at least, right? So if I'm at a school Tuesday and Friday, I want that schedule for me on those days at that site. And then if I'm at the other school Monday and Thursday, then I want to put I want to have that separate schedule, right? So I will do this digitally and then each week, so you could either do this on a Friday before you head home for the weekend or Monday first thing before you really jump into anything else in the day, you're going to pull up your your master schedule for the week. You're going to make a copy of it and title it for the new week. And then that way you can make any small adjustments that you need to, to your schedule while still having the schedule from previous weeks to reference. Um, and what I do is I put in every, every kid I'm going to see 
my speech schedule. But let's say I get to work at 8.15 every day. And on Tuesday, I have an IEP meeting at 8.15 to 9 o'clock. I'm going to pencil into my schedule. That's where I'm going to be. And then let's say I have a 15-minute break at 10.45 to 11 before I see another group. I'm going to plug in what I'm going to do with that time. And maybe for some of you, it's like, I need to do the Medicaid billing from that morning. I'm going to do that for 15 minutes. Or you're like, oh, I'd rather do all the Medicaid for the billing at the end of the day. So at 2.45, I'm always going to put in do Medicaid billing. Um, But at 11.15, I am going to write present levels for Cassandra. Um, because I have to get her IEP done before Friday and it's Tuesday. So everywhere I have some blank time where there's not set, you know, I'm seeing students, I am plugging in what I'm going to do at that time. And what's great about this is it helps it. One, if, if an administrator ever says, what are you doing with all your time? You can say, this is what I'm doing. Like when I don't see students, I am not looking on Pinterest all day. I'm doing all of these tasks. Um, So if they're saying, well, why can't you go to this meeting? I can say, well, um, during my Wednesday mornings and every Wednesday, I block this time off for assessments, for progress monitoring, for making visuals for the classroom, for coaching, whatever it is, you can say, this is what I have to do. Um, so I like it. So I can, I do it digitally. I will link this in the show notes. I digitally write in what I'm doing for the week. And then I like to print it out and have it on a clipboard because when I worked full time, I would do push-in therapy. I would grab kids at, you know, around the campus. And I also like to check off like, oh, this kid was absent. Um, couldn't find this kid. I looked in the classrooms or I could take data on the sheet if it was just easier to keep data. And then I would transfer it to my therapy logs. If it just didn't work out, everything would be in that spot. So if there was anything that I needed to jog my memory at the end of the day, I could look at my schedule. And so that's what I tend to do, because if I don't know what I'm going to do next, I will just find silly things to do, like read my emails and look on Pinterest for therapy ideas or prep some laminated sheets. And that really isn't going to help me get the big things done that is required from me. And I don't want to procrastinate. You know, 15 minutes, guys, is a lot of time when you start to really just jump in and start doing something that's important. So that's one thing that I do is I write out what I'm going to do. And then I also have a little post-it note, or you can buy like a pad that has, they have them on Amazon, um, that have must-dos and may-dos. And the must-dos are things that you need to get done before you head to that car. And sometimes our must do is attend the IEP meeting and see our students and do our Medicaid billing. And you can leave work going, I did a good job today. And other days, your must do's are going to be to write IEPs um, or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you can do a daily must do, or you could do a weekly must do. Like I can't leave 
until these are done. Um, and that's where you have to also put into perspective, what are my priorities? You can do low prep therapy um, with everyone on your caseload if it's a crazy couple of months ahead, right? You don't need to be prepping all the things and trying to keep up with what Pinterest is telling you or people on social media. That's why, you know, you can just go, you know what? I'm in a season of low prep. I'm going to use books. And if I do prep a sensory bin, I'm going to use that sensory bin with everybody on my caseload. Or if I'm going to do a craft, I'm going to do that craft with as many kids. Or I'm just going to use toys and um, do and work on goals with with this one toy. So looking at your priorities, like it is okay to do low prep therapy. It is, and you know, even sometimes heading to the copier to go make copies of worksheets is such time suck because <laughs> in my luck, uh, there were people either standing there photocopying. So I have to wait, or I was so far away from the photocopier because they had me way out yonder that it was a 10 minute walk to the copier. So I often had to just print one worksheet or print one thing and stick it in a page projector and then reuse that with my students. So just thinking about like, what are my priorities? You know what? I need to get this paperwork done. I really want to do this fun thing in therapy, but I know that by the end of the month I can maybe do, you know, I can prep some stuff when I, when I can get these things off my list. All right. Whew. Long winded first thing that was to write down what you're going to do your entire day so that you know what you're going to do with every free moment of your day. <laughs> um, okay. Number two, number two thing that's very important, blocking off time for those caseload management tasks. Um, with in my districts that I've worked in, I've always had a flex day. I've always had Wednesdays for testing. And I didn't always test students. If I wasn't directly testing students, I was maybe either gathering all the caseload history for the report, or I was doing progress monitoring, progress reports, or I'm taking assessment, or I'm doing baselines for kids' goals because their IEP is coming up. So I had one day that was not for direct therapy and you really need to, you know, if you aren't doing that, you need to look at your schedule and go, where's my dedicated time that I'm going to have that's uninterrupted for caseload management tasks that I have to do. You can't just hodgepodge and find time to do it um, in between groups. I mean, you can if you absolutely have to, but it's really stressful and it, and you can get more done. If you had a two hour chunk of time to test students or a two hour chunk of time to get IEPs written, imagine how much you would actually get done, right? You would get in a rhythm and it would allow you to, to batch some tasks as well. If you have the opportunity, because if let's say you have two IEPs due, you can batch that time and write the whole entire, their, their entire IEPs during that time. So blocking off time for specific caseload management tasks. And that's where on the schedule that I use, usually do, I, usually Wednesdays were my flex day. And that is when, that was the, the thing that would change the most. And that's why I would make a copy every week of my schedule because, you know, maybe one week I was testing Jonathan, but the next week I was doing 
baseline assessments for IEPs and testing their goals in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I was writing their IEPs. So whatever they're, whatever you're doing, you want to make sure you can block that time off. And I know a lot of SLPs have done the three, three, one model where you see students three weeks and then one week is your flex week. And so it's a very similar approach. I've never done that model. Um, so I have, I don't really have a lot of tips on that or how that would be, work in an IEP. Um, but that's another kind of common thing where you're going, okay, I have to see therapy students, but that last week I'm going to make sure that I have planned out who I'm going to test and what I'm going to do. If I have to go in and coach in a classroom, it's all going to be documented on that IEP. All right. So write down what you're going to do for your entire day and then block off time for those dedicated caseload management tasks. That means no IEPs can be scheduled during that time. Um, I made a couple little like rules where I was like, okay, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow an IEP to be scheduled on that sacred flex day. And that was only if they wanted to do like an all day IEP meeting and I could get all my IEPs done on that day. And I didn't have to stay after school. I was like, yeah, sign me up. Okay. If I can do IEPs during the day, that would be a blessed thing. So anyways, so those are my first two tips. All right. Third tip to help you get stuff done for your caseload. You need to look ahead at least three months. At the beginning of the school year, this can be really easy to do because we have that week where we're just, we're trying to get our caseload all set up. If you can do the whole year, you know, go you. But I would say realistically for me, um, if I was the support provider for students, if the teachers, a lot of the teachers would plan out their IEPs for the whole year, I would plan those kids and plop them into my my calendar, like, okay, they're doing the IEP on this day. Um, great. But for my caseload management and what I was trying to map out, I would look ahead three months. And during that time, I would, during my blocked off time or at the start of the week, or when I had a section of time to really look at my schedule, I would map out when all my IEPs are due if I got any new speech referrals, I would map out when the 60-day timeline was due. And then this allowed me to go, oh my gosh, I have six tries due in November. This is insane. This is not going to do, right? And so I knew that I would have to then backward chain and go, okay, if I have six tries, I really need to start on one of the tries at the end of September. I need to start testing or I need to be blocking out when I'm going to test all these kids um, and get their reports done. And so that's where you need to map it out because I would often find that I would um, be late on my progress reports because really when they're due in October or they're due in February, I need to be starting six weeks ahead of time. And as far as getting data on their goals, um, making sure I have data on their goals. And if I don't, then, you know, getting on top of that, scheduling when I'm going to block off time to write the progress reports, because as we know, writing progress reports um, usually come when you also have like three IEPs due and five assessments and you're like, ah. So planning ahead, looking three, three months ahead to make sure 
you have that time. And a lot of times what would come up for me is I would have students who I needed to test them in their primary language and their secondary language. So the procedures for getting a translator, I usually had to make sure that the, the translation department, the bilingual department had at least two weeks to get a translator set up for me. So it was really important that I stayed on top of those assessments because I needed to make sure I had a translator and I needed enough time. So that's my third tip is look ahead for three months. Um, when you have a plan in place, you can easily go, you know what? I don't need to worry about all those IEPs in November because I'm going to focus on getting all my September IEPs done now. Um, and so that, that really helped me to turn off, like, I can't believe I have all these IEPs now. Um, that, that really helped. All right. So the other thing to help you get stuff done with your caseload is to make cheat sheets to check off tasks. Now this could be even something that you do at your speech department meetings where you're like, Hey, could we come up with a step-by-step guide for when we're doing an AAC assessment or when we're doing a bilingual assessment? Um, or this is, you know, or somebody maybe has already come up with this. So if you're like, oh, this is a great idea, send out a mass email to your speech department and say, does anyone have checklists for doing their progress reports? Um, cause for me, what I would often do too, is I may get down to, I may have done 10 progress reports for my caseload. I needed a checklist to remind myself where I left off, um, and I, I have a checklist. I think I have a free one that I can link in the show notes, but I had, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Just even checklists. Like, did I put the progress report in the envelope? Did I put the address on the envelope? Did I mail those off? Like I needed that because I had a very big caseload. So I made a cheat sheet, like progress monitor goals, write in progress, print out progress report, fold in the envelope. That's That helped me. It helped me go, okay, I got this done. Um, so these are other, you know, some other types of check sh- cheat sheet check off lists that you can do is what to do when you're writing an exit IEP or an initial IEP, or when you're doing an assessment to make sure that you have all the components that you need. Like I called the parent. I reminded the parent, I sent home the meeting notice, I sent home the prior written notice, I got the translator scheduled. Everything that you may need, put it in a checklist. All right, my last tip to help you get stuff done is to have systems. Where you find yourself scrambling, going, ah, where's the paperwork for that? Or what do I don't know what to do for this? Or why did I get another speech referral? I don't have time for all these speech referrals. It's probably because you don't have a system. And so what I started to do is I would look to see where was I getting frantic or just never really knowing where things were. And that was when I would give myself a professional goal. Like you need to create a system for your speech referrals. Um, Specifically, I would say having a system for your speech referrals is going to save you a ton of time. Um, because if you come into a school where all the teachers think that they can just refer every single kid in their class to you, imagine how much of a time suck that's going to be of you 
going and talking with the teacher and screening a kid or doing this, that, or the other. So, um, or they're referring kids that do not need to have a speech language assessment. So you have to go, you know what, they need some training on what is a good speech referral or these kids could be good speech referrals, but you really need to send it to the student study team or the RTI intervention team before it comes to me. Now, some of these things that like when I talk about creating a system for your speech referrals, they take time. It's not just this like, oh, this is saving me so much time. But I always have to think long term, what is the benefits that are going to come from this? If I spend the time for the next year or two, really making sure that the teachers know my system and the process down the road, I'm going to get better referrals and the teacher's going to only, you know, really give me the referrals that we know are going to probably qualify. Um, and I will link in the show notes how I set up my speech referral and my whole system for that because I have a couple of blog posts for that. So those are my five tips. Write down what you're going to do your entire day. Block off time for those things that you need to get done for your caseload. Look ahead at least three months to map out big due dates so you don't miss anything. Make cheat sheets to check off tasks, each step that you have to do for a task, and then have systems. And having systems may be something that you slowly build over time. So look at something that you're like, you know what, Every I just got... 15 referrals. We need to have a system. We need a better system so that I don't lose my head. Right. So really look at like, what could be a system that I put in place that's really going to help me in the future. Um, I hope that this was helpful. Let me know if you have any hacks or things that help you with caseload management tasks, leave a review with uh, which episodes you really like of the Real Talk SLP podcast so I can continue to create content that helps you be the SLP that every kid wants to see. And uh, as always, SLPs, stay inspired. You got this and your students are looking forward to seeing you. So I will talk with you soon. Bye. Uh-huh.